So today's episode is part of an end of year special series. I'm resharing some of my most actionable episodes to help you reduce pain on your period and endo flares in general, and to balance your hormones for better periods, less PMS, and healthier cycles. I'm sharing these episodes because this time of year is often when some of our endo management strategies can go out of the window, and understandably so. We might have more sugar, less sleep, more alcohol, and more blood sugar dysregulation. And as a result, these can all raise inflammation and give our bodies a hard time when it comes to clearing old and excess hormones. So come January, or you know maybe sooner if your cycle is towards the end of December, we tend to have more PMS, worse periods, and more pain. So these episodes are designed to provide you with some tips you can quickly implement if you're worried about your upcoming period, or if you're feeling rough and you just need some tips to improve your symptoms. Now, of course, it's natural that we want to indulge a bit over Christmas. And so these episodes are not about telling you to be a saint. Instead, they're about practices you can throw in that can just help lessen some of the impact. I'm releasing a couple so that you can choose strategies that you think will help you the most and so that you have options, but you certainly don't have to try them all. And whilst I'm here, if you find that you want to learn more about how to eat for endo and for hormone balance, or you get to the end of the festive period and you really just want to improve your symptoms because they flared up so badly maybe, I now have my Nutrition for Endo Masterclasses, which are available to buy all year round, unlike my other courses, which are obviously, you know, released um, a couple times a year. Luckily for you, they're still discounted because I haven't had time to change the prices. So you can still get each masterclass for the original Black Friday price of £29.99, or you can buy the bundle for £50. You could also ask for them for a Christmas present if you are not in the position to be able to buy this at the moment. Finally, thank you so much for listening to this podcast this year and for sticking with me, even with my sporadic release dates, as I navigate all of these new courses and offerings um, and try to balance that with recording my free content. I am wishing you a wonderful Christmas break if you celebrate and a really happy new year and a healthy 2022. So without further ado, let's get to today's episode. I really hope it helps you manage some of your symptoms over this festive period. Welcome to this Endo Life episode 107. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an endo warrior, an endo health coach, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast is here to educate and shouldn't be used as a replacement for your current medical treatment. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to give a shout out to my lovely sponsors at BU. And I wanted to tell you about their new bath bombs, which are naturally made and contain beautiful essential oils and their peppermint and eucalyptus essential oils um, bath bomb is 
doing so well right now with endometriosis community. They're getting loads of feedback about it. And, you know, if you love the patches themselves, you're going to love the bath bombs because essentially it's (laughs) the patch in a bath bomb. Um, So, you know, if you're on your period or if you're in pain, you could have a bath with some of the bath bombs or one of them. I know you can have multiple if you want um and then yeah get out the bath maybe rub in some cbd balm and put your patch on top which is um what a lot of people are feeding back that they're doing so um i would love to do that but um i don't have a bath so i can't but if you have a bath um then you know i think these new bath bombs could be a lovely way to help alleviate some of your pain So if you'd like to check them out, you can go to BU, which is buonline.co.uk. And you can also order them from anywhere in the world on cultbeauty.co.uk and they deliver worldwide. I am slowly beginning my treatment this week for my SIBO, antimicrobial herbs. Anyone who's interested, I'm going to be taking oregano, high dose oregano and antrantil. And I am going to be treating for all three types. So if you want to know more about that, then I've got an episode about my SIBO journey. Uh, No, my SIBO treatment plan. I can't remember what episode number that is, but I'll put it in the show notes if you want to listen to that. And I've got articles coming out on endometriosis news over the next two months that take you through antimicrobial herbs, antibiotics, and the elemental diet for SIBO. But if you just want to kind of know now what the options are, then go to my episode with Dr. Alison Seebecker on how to treat SIBO because she is the queen of SIBO um, and she is the, you know, the world's leading expert. So you can hear it from her lips. So anyway, I am taking off from the end of Friday. I'm going to be off until November, I think the first day back is Monday the 11th. It might be the 9th or 10th or something. So I'm still going to be releasing podcast episodes and I'm still going to be posting on Instagram, but they're pre-written and pre-recorded and scheduled. So I'm not going to be online in real time. So if you send me a DM or an email, um, obviously if you email me, you're getting out of office, but on Instagram, I'll be replying to everyone when I return because I actually haven't taken any time off, any real time off, um, in two years. So, and last year I had pretty much just a handful of weekends. And then when I had intended to take December off, I ended up enrolling on the endometriosis specialist program. So I was training in that and starting up, um, all of my practice at that time. So yeah, I wanted to do the treatment kind of just being able to focus on the treatment and take that time out to recover. So that's what I'm going to be doing. And I'm just kind of coming off everything and I'm not going to be, yeah, I'm not going to be posting um, myself. It will be scheduled and I'm not going to be studying. So I'm just going to be taking that time out. Um, Oh, let's, that's the plan. We'll see. Maybe I'll cave, but I really want to not cave um, because I truly believe that recovery includes rest. And it has been the past two years. I haven't had the 
opportunity to do that as much as I would have liked. So now I am making the opportunity. So I just wanted to give you guys a heads up in case you try to DM me and you don't hear back from me, but I I am going to put something on my Instagram about it, but you know, you might not see that or you might not read it. So, um, yeah, I thought I would let you know. So today is another one of those bite-sized episodes with really practical tips. I hope you guys are finding these beneficial. Please do message me if you're not, (laughs) or if you are, I would love to know. Um, and today we're talking about seven foods to help ease estrogen dominance. So just to recap, in case you haven't listened to previous episodes or interviews and discussions that I've been having on the show, estrogen dominance or excess estrogen occurs when the ratio of progesterone to estrogen is out of whack, basically. So maybe you have low progesterone, but a normal level of estrogen then your estrogen levels are going to be higher than your progesterone. Even if your estrogen levels aren't too high, the ratio of estrogen to progesterone is is too high. You could have normal progesterone, but excess estrogen. So you actually have too much estrogen in your bloodstream or in, you know, circulating in your body. And then you would have excess estrogen and estrogen dominance again. Or you could have low progesterone and excess estrogen. And then, of course, you would have estrogen dominance um, in that scenario as well. So we want our progesterone to our e- and estrogen levels to be nice and balanced. We want them to be even. Um, of course, they occur at different times in our cycle. You know, you're going to have more estrogen in the first half of your cycle because that's the um, time that estrogen is sort of raining and doing its work of getting you ready to become pregnant. That's its purpose, uh, building up the uterine lining. And then in the second half of your cycle is when progesterone, um, is higher. But if these levels are out of whack and if the hormone levels aren't, um, what they should be, we then start to experience estrogen dominant symptoms or low progesterone symptoms as well. Low progesterone is a problem, but they're very similar. Symptoms of estrogen dominance are things like PMS, acne, clots, long periods, so anything um, kind of more than seven to eight days, painful periods and cramping, mood swings, especially like irritability. And if you're thinking about progesterone, low progesterone, you're looking for things like anxiety, depression, low moods, painful breasts, and bloating. I see really commonly with my clients, painful breasts, clots, uh, heavy and long bleeding, obviously painful periods and bloating. Those are the ones that I, and, and to a degree irritability. Those are the ones that I see very commonly with estrogen dominance. And then those symptoms begin to alleviate as we start making changes. And so this episode isn't going to do a deep dive into causes, um, because we can really go down you know, we can just go down the rabbit hole of those. And there are episodes where we start to do that. So I'll link to all of those. But the general causes, just to give you an overview, would include stress, imbalanced blood sugar, gut health issues, xenoestrogen. So those are toxins, chemicals in the environment that mimic estrogen. And then our body treats them as if they're estrogen, but they're often stronger. They re- they act stronger than estrogen. So we end up getting quite bad hormonal issues from that. 
Too much alcohol, so alcohol directly increases estrogen production and lowers progesterone production. Um, an overburdened liver, so your liver can't detoxify estrogen properly and your liver plays a really key role in detoxifying your liver as well as your gut does as well so that's why gut issues would cause estrogen dominance and deficiencies such as zinc deficiency that could also be a cause so that's just to give you like a simple overview and introduction to estrogen dominance but I've got quite a lot of interviews talking about that so I will link to those in the show notes now again you should start to be seeing some patterns here in the kind of foods that I'm recommending. And I think it to kind of make it accessible for you guys and easy for you guys to work with, what I would do is lean into the areas that you're struggling the most. If you're struggling with estrogen excess or maybe low progesterone, combine, like see like, okay, well, what's crossing over here? Like what does Jessica talk about? in those, you know, in those episodes and what foods come up the most and start with those most common foods because they're the ones I'm keeping them in for a good reason because they're going to make a difference. So start with the most common ones that address the areas that you're struggling with and then you can start to vary up over time. But for ease, you know, I've probably talked about cruciferous vegetables and broccoli sprouts in every one of these kind of episodes. Start there you know, start adding in some cruciferous veg on a daily basis. Do that for a month, see how you get on. Then add another layer, add something else the following month. Don't get rid of the cruciferous vegetables, but layer up. Okay, so let's get started. The first one is dandelion root tea or dandelion root coffee. Now to be clear, I don't mean dandelion root with coffee because I know in the US that you guys have a lot of dandelion root tea blends with coffee in them, or at least that's what I've been told. So we're not looking for ones with caffeine in, we're literally looking for a complete dandelion root coffee, coffee replacement. So I get ground, um, well, no, not ground. They're like, they're like chunks of, um, roasted dandelion root. And I put them through a grinder and then I either use a cafetiere or a uh, V60 to to create a coffee, to create a black coffee that I then um, put a little bit of oat milk in. Or you could do like half oat milk, half water to make a latte. And that's actually really good as well. Um, So the reason why I'm saying dandelion root tea or dandelion root tea uh, or dandelion root coffee is because it helps to aid the estrogen detoxification process. Um, And on top of that, actually, it's prebiotic. So it supports your gut. It helps to rebuild your gut microbiome. Now, of course, if you have something like SIBO, adding in lots of prebiotic fiber can be problematic. It might make you gassy or bloat. But I have SIBO and I don't have any reaction from dandelion root tea or dandelion root coffee almost the opposite. I feel really good on it. And I think it's probably if you were eating dandelion leaves in salads that you might struggle, but everyone's different. You might be fine on them. So anyway, so it aids estrogen detoxification, estrogen breakdown, because when your estrogen, your old estrogen has been used up, you've used it in your cycle. It's developed your um, uterine lining. It's now ready to be removed from the body. It's done its job. It needs to be broken down 
And when it's broken down, it can go down different like pathways. Like I'm just going to put it in terms of like good versus evil. It can go down good pathways and be removed from the body in a really healthy way. Or it can go down bad pathways and cause us some problems. So dandelion root tea or coffee helps in that process to break down the estrogen healthily and support the liver to do that role. And like I said, you can have this as a coffee or tea. I do drink dandelion root tea as well. I try to drink that on a daily basis. If I'm not doing it all month long, then I'm doing it at least when I'm in my luteal phase, the second half of my cycle, when I really want to make sure that I'm getting rid of any old or excess estrogen from my body so that I'm not having PMS symptoms build up and I don't have a bad period. And I really do notice a difference between when I'm drinking that tea and when I'm not. I tend to be a bit more PMSy when I'm not drinking that tea. And then I also pretty much every day have a dandelion root coffee in the morning. So instead of a coffee or instead of a cup of tea, my thing is a dandelion root tea coffee. Obviously, I used to drink lion's mane, um, my lion's milk lattes made with chicory, but I can no longer drink that. I can't drink the chicory because it is one of the foods that my body has recently developed an intolerance to and causes me bladder pain. So sad about that, but I really love the dandelion root coffee. And you can, like I said, make that into a latte. If you brew in a cafetiere, like half a cup of dandelion root coffee, and then combine it with like hot milk, um, like oat milk or cashew milk, and just all blend it up, put in some lion's mane in there if you want a bit of a cognitive boost, a bit of cordyceps in there if you want a bit of a energy boost, and then you've got a latte and it's delicious. Okay, the next is my favorite broccoli sprouts. And the reason being is that broccoli sprouts contain really concentrated amounts of the nutrients that help to break down estrogen and support the liver to to detoxify estrogen. And the nutrient we're really paying attention to here is sulforaphane. Not only does it help to detoxify estrogen, but it's actually really strongly anti-inflammatory. So it's going to help to reduce any pain you have as well. Um, If you find yourself that you get like achy joints with your endo, or maybe you get headaches, it could help there too, because joint pain, headaches, all of those kind of random body pains can be linked to inflammation as well. So you've heard me talk about this before, but easy ways to get sulforaphane into your diet would be either growing them at home, and I'm going to link to how to grow them at home, or order either buying them locally, so finding a farm shop, finding a health shop and buying them. Or what you can do is in the UK, there's a company called Sky Organics, and you can actually buy them freeze-dried. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. I'm not too sure about for you guys in the USA, Australia, India, I mean, I've got listeners all over Europe as well, but you will have to have a look to see where you can get hold of them. But I would imagine in the USA that places like Trader Joe's, Whole Foods would have broccoli sprouts. So keep an eye out for them. If you get, if you can only get them as a mix with say alfalfa sprouts or radish sprouts, that's great. Go for that. I don't really like alfalfa sprouts, so that's why I don't have that. But they they all have really highly concentrated nutrients. So if you can only get a combination, that's fine. Go for that. Now, as I mentioned, they're really lovely to sprinkle on salads, 
They make your salad look really pretty. We actually sprinkle ours on nachos. So we make a nacho dish and we have on there like we, we actually make our own nachos now. We buy like gluten-free tortillas and chop them up into triangles. But you can just get, you know, some um, healthier tortillas. And then we put on there, we make a cashew cheese. We make a sort of black bean, refried black bean thing that we put on there. Guacamole. Sometimes we get oatly, creme fraiche. Put lots of radishes on there. Spring onions. And grated red cabbage is really good on there too. Fresh coriander and then we sprinkle um, broccoli sprouts on top and it's so good. And smoothies as well. If you don't really like the taste of broccoli sprouts, then I would just chuck them in your smoothies. A handful, half a cup, quarter of a cup, a tablespoon if that's all you can stomach in the, in the beginning. They don't really taste like too much. They're a bit herby, they're a bit earthy but if you just want to start small start small that's you know better than nothing at all just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by bu these natural patches last for 12 hours so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in so you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, If you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. So that's how I would use broccoli sprouts. Number three, of course, is cruciferous vegetables. So the way, the reason why cruciferous vegetables play such an important role and really one of the most important roles in estrogen detoxification is because they contain a nutrient called I3C. I3C then further breaks down in your body into DIM and SGS. Now you might have heard of DIM, you can actually buy it in you know health food shops for the purposes of estrogen detoxification or you might be able to buy it as IF3C so that it then breaks down into the two nutrients in your body and in fact SGS is is sulforaphane the full name is sulforaphane glucosinolate so again these nutrients are helping the liver to break down estrogen healthily and this has a long-term effect on your health as well. There are so many benefits, but in particular, these nutrients can help prevent um, issues like breast cancer. Now, broccoli would be a really good option here because it particularly has a lot of these nutrients, but all of the cruciferous vegetables like sprouts, kale, cabbage, cauliflower would be great as well. And of course, the more um, variation, the better in terms of antioxidants and different nutrients you'll be getting from the various vegetables. So don't just stick to broccoli and broccoli sprouts. Do like mix it up, but getting in broccoli on a regular basis is always a great idea. So ways you could add it in, for example, would be now we're moving into, or at least in the UK, we're moving into autumn, making more warm salads 
roasting Brussels sprouts and putting them in a salad can actually be really good, especially if you can tolerate vinegar. I can't, unfortunately, due to my bladder pain, but if you can tolerate vinegar, roasting broccoli sprouts in balsamic vinegar is really good and tossing them through a salad with different vegetables and leafy greens and pecans, nuts and seeds, uh, lots of olive oil, sea salt is always really good. Broccoli spears. Broccoli spears, I really love to griddle or saute in fresh chopped garlic. They just make a really good side dish, then drizzled with olive oil or stirred through a salad. But you can use broccoli in so much. You know, you can put it in a curry. You can make broccoli soup. It can be part of a salad. It can just be a vegetable on the side of your main dish. There are so many things you can do with broccoli. So I encourage you to just kind of think outside of the box or if that actually feels a bit overwhelming and you just don't want to start with anything more creative, just add broccoli. Just add it to your dish, to your dinner. And then if you need to start adding different flavors to it because it's you're not used to it, start to experiment and also start to experiment with the type of broccoli you like. Um, I went through a phase of preferring tender stem broccoli, but now I just prefer, I don't know what you would call it, like just the big bunches of broccoli. So just experiment. I know people have, don't always love broccoli. So just um, learn how you like it best. Okay. Number four, probiotic foods. So probiotic foods are yogurt, kefir, sauerkraut, kimchi. I'm not including, uh, what's it called? Kombucha in this because kombucha tends to have a lot of sugar in it and it's not always great quality. So I just don't recommend that. It is just a lot of sugar. Kimchi and sauerkraut are usually from fermented cabbage, but can be fermented cucumber, different vegetables. Kimchi is is sort of sauerkraut spicy. Um, it's Korean, so it depends what you know what you like in terms of flavors. Sauerkraut is definitely a particular flavor, but even if you're just getting in a tablespoon a day, that's great. Kefir you can drink as like a yogurty drink, or it's or you can get it as a yogurt almost. Um, and of course, yogurt's yogurt. If you aren't eating dairy, then I would recommend like a coconut or almond or cashew kefir or yogurt. I wouldn't recommend soy products because they're heavily processed and soy can sometimes, not all the time, it can be beneficial for people with endometriosis, but it it can actually be problematic for some as well. And if you're going to have soy products, I would always go for high quality, traditionally made soy products like miso, tamari, tempeh, um, organic soy, uh, sorry, organic, um, tofu I wouldn't go for like soy products like soy yogurt or soy fake meat those are really heavily processed um, products so yeah so either dairy free or um, a dairy if you find that you're you're okay with dairy kefir or yogurt sauerkraut now you don't have to eat all of those but again variation here is key because probiotic foods are essentially foods that have bacteria in them good bacteria that our gut needs and your gut doesn't rely on just one bacteria it needs lots of different bacteria so if you're only having yogurt then that's going to be a problem because you're only having that bacteria so having more diversity means you're going to have a healthier gut microbiome 
The reason why this is important is because you need healthy gut bacteria in your gut to avoid high levels of an enzyme called B-glucuronidase. So in your gut, you have a group of bacteria and some enzymes that specifically deal with estrogen called estrobolome. And it's a group of them. And within this group is an enzyme called B-glucuronidase. And B-glucuronidase reactivates estrogen. Essentially, it turns it back on. So estrogen has gone to your liver to be de- to be basically removed from your body. It's been turned off by the liver. The liver, do- the liver has a process that essentially renders this old estrogen useless. It deactivates it, it turns it off. Then the liver empties the, the turned off estrogen into your gut. And then this group of bacteria is there to do the rest of the work and get that estrogen out of your system through your stools. Now, what can happen is if you've got high levels of B-glucuronidase, as this old turned off estrogen is coming into your gut, the B-glucuronidase is turning it back on. What then happens is the body doesn't recognize that this estrogen needs to be removed. It sees it as active estrogen that needs to be recirculated back into your body. So your gut absorbs that new that estrogen and then you have too much estrogen in your body because this is not the estrogen that you should be using now. This estrogen should be gone from your body, but the B-glucuronidase is turning it on. So I see this quite commonly when I do GI maps on people, which is a um, stool test. Um, and I see it often with clients who have SIBO, but not in all cases. I have SIBO and I don't have high B-glucuronidase levels. My levels are fine, but I do have a client who has really high B-glucuronidase levels and her boobs hurt her all the time, 30 days a month. Like it's it's crazy. So we're actively working to get those B-glucuronidase levels down. Now, what probiotic foods can do is help to rebalance the gut and help to feed your healthy gut bacteria and ensure that there's a good diversity of bacteria and they're doing its job. But one caveat to this is that if you have histamine intolerance, so you find yourself flaring up from alcohol, yogurt, chocolate, tea, coffee, maybe you break out in hives, rashes, maybe you have a runny nose, maybe you have headaches, maybe you vomit, uh, maybe you get a racing heart, after chocolate, this might indicate histamine intolerance. So if you find that symptoms worsen from probiotic foods, you might have a histamine intolerance or perhaps there's SIBO there and it's not loving the response. It's not loving you adding in probiotic foods because SIBO isn't bad bacteria. SIBO is your normal good bacteria in the wrong place. It's in your small intestine, not in your large intestine. So in theory, adding in probiotic foods may add more fuel to the fire with SIBO. However, it really depends on the person. Some people respond really well to probiotic foods and probiotics before their SIBO treatment. It works wonders. It really helps them. Other people it doesn't help them. I'm one of those people. It doesn't help me to have probiotics. Whereas another client was having diarrhea daily and she started taking probiotics in the lead up to her SIBO test. She is positive for SIBO and it stopped her diarrhea. It really calmed down her symptoms. So you would need to, 
experiment and see what worked for you. And it might be that one probiotic works for you. uh, One probiotic food works better for you than the other. I would say start small, buy a jar of sauerkraut, start with a tablespoon a day, see how you get on. Then maybe you want to increase it to two tablespoons with one meal, then see how you get on. Just experiment a little bit and see how you go. And if you're really concerned about possible histamine intolerance or SIBO, of course, get tested for SIBO and work with a practitioner around histamine intolerance. I will also link to a book on histamine intolerance in the show notes. Okay, number five is B6 foods. And you've heard me talk about B6 recently as well. So we're thinking turkey, fish, seeds, nuts, lentils, eggs, maybe a little organic red meat, pistachios. And B6 is really crucial, actually, really crucial to healthy hormones. Um, It helps to detoxify estrogen from our body. So it supports the liver in that process in particular, along with B12 and folate. But for today's purpose, we're looking at B6. But you you do want to make sure you're getting in enough B vitamins. And one of the best ways to get in good level B vitamins is beans. Um, so lots of different beans, eggs, some animal, animal products as, for B12. You're not going to get B12 from plant nutrients, I'm afraid, but you can take a supplement. So B6 helps to detoxify excess estrogen, It also helps to lower estrogen levels if they're too high and helps to raise progesterone. So it really brings your estrogen and progesterone levels into balance. And it just plays such a crucial role in healthy hormones. We really can't be without that. So for, you know, B6 foods, you might want to consider having eggs with your breakfast. That would be a really nice blood sugar balance in breakfast to have something like eggs, kale, sweet potatoes, avocado, for example. Lunch, you might want to have a lentil salad. Um, Dinner, you might want to have fish. You know, so you're just thinking about meals where you're like, "Ah, am I getting some B6 in here? Now, you don't necessarily have to think about that with every single meal. I'm just giving you some examples. Of course, adding in nuts and seeds like over a salad would give you a bit of a boost of B6 or snacking on pistachios throughout the day. If you don't want to go for something like eggs with your breakfast, maybe it's about having a smoothie that has nuts and seeds in. So just experiment, but you've got quite a big choice there. I'm just going to go over your options again. Turkey, fish, seeds, nuts, lentils, eggs, little organic red meat, pistachios. Number six is fats. Fats like avocado, nuts, seeds, olive oil, and fatty fish. And the reason being is because blood sugar imbalance is one of the main causes of estrogen dominance, especially amongst those that I see in my in my practice, in my coaching practice. And so one of the key things we can do to keep our blood sugar balanced is ensure that we have protein, fat, and fiber and complex carbohydrates with each meal. But I notice that fat, is something that people miss a lot. So you're just looking for two tablespoons of fat, like two sort of golf ball sizes of fat with each meal. It might be two tablespoons of olive oil. It might be a tablespoon of nuts and a tablespoon of seeds. It might be like a third of an avocado or half a small avocado. It might be a piece of fatty fish. It might be some olives you know, it doesn't have to be anything particularly fancy. It could be like a salad dressing that you've made up of tahini and olive oil. 
it just needs to be that you have fat with each meal and that's going to really do wonders for your blood sugar levels. If you want to learn more about blood sugar and how it affects your hormones, then have a listen to my episodes on creating a blood sugar balance in breakfast and my episodes with Nicole Jardim and Megan Hallett. Okay, number seven is lignans. So lignans are nutrients from nuts and seeds that help to bind and remove estrogen and they also actually mimic estrogen in reportedly a week away. Now, this comes with quite a big caveat. Lignans, especially those from flax and soy. Now, I'm not talking about soy in this instance. I'm not talking about adenine soy. I'm talking about adenine nuts and seeds, particularly sunflower, sesame, and potentially flax. But this is where that caveat comes in. The theory behind lignans is that, especially flax and soy, is that they are phytoestrogens that mimic estrogen, but in a weaker way. So if you have estrogen dominance, they will fit into the estrogen receptors in your cells, like a lock and key, but they will have weaker effects than estrogen. And so therefore, if you have estrogen dominance, you should be having less of a reaction. And studies have shown this. Studies have shown that people with estrogen dominance or estrogen problems, excess estrogen problems, have then had a reduction in those symptoms. Now, I've not always seen this, nor has Dr. Jessica Drummond, nor has Nicole Jardim. I have experienced personally when I add in more flax or when I add in more soy that my estrogen dominant symptoms, my PMS symptoms, my bleeding, my pain, it gets worse. My breasts get more painful. And then other people have the opposite. It's really helpful for them. And so I would just be mindful of that. Now, some hormonal experts really defend phytoestrogens and say, no, absolutely not. That's not what happens. I just think it's down to the individual. And I think you need to listen to your body. But pumpkin, sunflower and sesame, um, and I would have sesame in the form of tahini so that you're not just kind of swallowing these tiny seeds and they're just coming out the other end because they're just so small, you can't really chew them and break them down. So it's better to have them in tahini. I see no problems with those. Um, they're not really in the same league as flax and, and soy. But again, we're not talking about soy in this instance. We're just talking about nuts and seeds. So it's really flax that I'm kind of wanting you to be mindful of here. But they help to bind and remove excess estrogen. And they're adding in a lot of fiber. So it's ensuring you're having healthy bowel movements to get rid of any of that excess estrogen in your body. But essentially they're binding to estrogen in your body and helping to clear it out. But then in the role, in the case with flax, it's also acting as estrogen. So you just might want to be a little bit mindful about that because people respond to it differently. And as I'm sure you guys have heard me say a lot by now in this episode and in previous episodes, the easiest way to add in nuts and seeds is to add in a tablespoon into your smoothie and then sprinkle a tablespoon on top. Um, I will kind of rotate through different nuts and seeds. But so for example, this morning I had a tablespoon of walnuts in my smoothie and then I had pumpkin seeds on top. Last week I was having a tablespoon of sesame seeds in, in my smoothie and sunflower seeds on top. You know, sometimes it will be 
that I have a dressing. So we have a lot of pumpkin seed pesto, um, Brazil nut pesto. I will usually make a tahini type dressing for salads as well. Sunflower butter is a really good one for dressings too. But you can also snack on nuts and seeds. Um, I just don't because they're a bit fiddly to snack on seeds because they're so small. But do whatever works for you. So I hope this episode was useful. You don't have to try all of these at once. Um, As I mentioned, I think adding in some nuts and seeds would be really beneficial and adding in some cruciferous vegetables. That's probably where I would start. Maybe the fat as well, if you want to go for three small changes to make over the next month, for example. Just do what feels right for you. But let's break this down actually into into what a day might might look like. So you start your day with a dandelion root, roasted dandelion root coffee and a smoothie that has in it sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds on top. At lunch, you have a salad that has broccoli sprouts on it and tahini and olive oil, getting in that fat there. For a snack later on, actually, let's add in a bit of um, sauerkraut with that lunch and then as a snack later on, you're having some yogurt with some pistachios, for example. And at dinner, you're having some kind of dish that has like turkey or maybe beans in with some broccoli. And that's it. That's all you need to do. Dandelion coffee in the morning. Some nuts and seeds with your smoothie. Lunch, maybe some broccoli sprouts and some tahini. A snack yogurt with some nuts, dinner, a nice form of B6, you know, from a protein like eggs, turkey, fish, beans, and then some cruciferous vegetables with it. Obviously, that's not a meal plan for you guys. Don't, you know, it's not about sticking to the same thing every day. I'm just giving you an example about what that might look like. And you don't have to do that all now. You don't have to be like, oh my God, like I have to eat for estrogen dominance all the time. You can just start really simply with some broccoli in your food shop or some cabbage in your food shop or making sure you have a bit of fat with each meal. Start with what feels good for you and what feels doable for you. There is no point setting yourself up to be overwhelmed and then disappointed when you feel too overwhelmed to take action or you just kind of fall off the bandwagon because there's so much to do start i would much i would much rather you start with something that felt easy and really small that you're almost like ah is this going to be enough and then compound on it like add a layer so start slow and build up as you feel more comfortable so i hope this episode was useful for you um try some of these methods out for 3 months let me know how you get on i would love to hear how your periods and your endometriosis symptoms um, change, if you notice any change, if you want to kind of learn more, do some further reading, I'm going to link to that in my show notes. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. 
um, you can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com. And you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website. Um, I've put the link in my show notes. It's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis. As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world (laughs) 